Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of you Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good today, man. I'm feeling... I'm feeling so much better than I did yesterday. You're awake. I am awake today, yeah. and I'm loving it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Ow! Yeah, it's Super good stuff. It's, it's good stuff, man. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, and I thank you for asking, Charles. How are you doing today, man? Oh, you know, for all of those that are in the Patreon group that have been understanding what's going on with the 500th live episode that we're doing coming up in a few... Uh, a few weeks now. It's not going to be long. Yeah. And uh, we we finally secured a great location, and I'm really excited about that. And all of you who aren't going, well, maybe you should have been part of Patreon before. I know, it's, man. It's exclusive for a reason. Well, uh, by the way, they're Patreon supporters of the Good Morning Liberty podcast here at WGML. That's what you're listening to right now. That's sticking in my head now, so I'm just going to keep saying it. WGML. So anyway, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So if you have not done it yet, smash that subscribe button or that follow button so you can get a brand new episode sent to your phone every single day of the week whenever we want to. And it's rarely in the morning. I'll go ahead and warn you guys, but you can listen to it the next morning. And I hear a lot of people do, and we love them. They're yeah. great people. And that's good morning for them. Yeah, it is. You know, it's interesting. Anytime I listen to the radio, uh, it's usually for sports or talk radio. I don't think I ever listen to music anymore on the radio. And a lot of times what they do, Nate, what that reminds me of the WGMLs, when they pause 10 seconds for station identification. Yeah. It's in you're listening to WGML. We'll have to do that. We'll have to throw we'll have to a start. station identification yeah, in here. Like we're doing a live radio That's a pretty show. good idea. Um, you know, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about this tweet that we're going to talk about? I think it'd be good to start off with start something off with a little bit lighter without all of the this this article we're going to go through on all of this tax data that ProPublica has found on the richest people in the U.S. We're going to be digging through all of that. It's going to take some time, and I wanted to start... Actually, I think we should go with this tweet. I want to know what you think about it, Charles. I'm going to put it up here on the screen while you're doing that. All right, this is coming from the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, NH. It's a fine village, I hear. They say, legalize child labor. Children will learn more on a job site than in public school. Mm. Okay. So, what do I think about this? Yeah, where, what's your initial reaction to that coming from blue check mark Libertarian Party in New Hampshire? My initial thought is that it's not technically wrong. And part of me thinks that they're trying to invoke. Mm -hmm. It had a uh, lot of retweets. I know. I think that's, yeah. that may be part of the reasoning behind why they worded it that way. Now, legalized child labor, um, I feel like that's obviously going to ruffle some some wings just a little last bit i checked <laughs> i feel like it's not gonna set it's not gonna help with the message of the libertarian party at, at all like no. what what do you hope to gain from this like we can't even we can't even convince people that we should be able to keep our own money or you know go into restaurants in some places or that you know the kids should even be able to go to school or anything open like that. Open your like, restaurant. Open your business people. if you want to. Like yeah. we're really far away from having a philosophical conversation about whether or not child labor should be legalized. Yeah, like very far away mm -hmm. from that. And and so the messaging really bothers me here. And and I think factually, children will learn more on the job site than in public school. You know what's one way <laughs> around child labor, by the way capitalism <laughs> kids can start their own businesses sure yeah they can yeah you see him on shark tank all the time that's true 12 years old invented something works full-time on his business it's it's amazing they just can't accept the money the money has to go to the parents or put into a trust but yeah isn't that something i mean i think it's good isn't overall that, for for kids to to work to to do a job to learn a value of a of a nice hard day's work and to learn what it's like to exchange your time for dollars and all of that but we're not in the position really right now where this is necessary it used to be necessary so your family didn't starve to death and so there was a lot more child labor and at the time that it became unnecessary and that your family could make enough without your kid working 
the child labor numbers started to go down a lot. And then the government also passed child labor laws at about the time that that slope is already steeply declining. Mm -hmm. But of course, they'll take credit for it. Now they're the heroes. The other factual side of that is, I will say, now listen, public school, I get it. Public school, terrible private school, better, okay? Children will learn more on a job site than in public school. Um, I don't really know if there's a lot of job sites teaching basic arithmetic or how to read or any anything like that that could be very valuable in the future. Now, you could learn some on-the-job training for that. But I do think it's important that kids go to school so they can learn some of these basic things that you need to know, you know? Mm. You're, if you learn how to push a button in a factory or how to mow a yard or something like that, that might end up not setting you up very well for the future if you don't go to school and learn those things that, that you need to learn in school. So I would still say it's pretty valuable for kids to go to school. I mean, you know, well, partially, um, because I think some of those some of those jobs can be learned without going to school well yeah but do you want that kid to be doing that job for the rest of their life you know that, that's what i'm saying like there's a lot of other skills like i'm not doing the job i was doing when i was 15 or 16 you know and the things that i do are you know, the the fact that i learned how to read good and do basic math and things like that ended up being pretty important yeah and it turns out i did learn those things in school i think that uh, you talk good too man i talk good i talk I talk real party. My mom teaches English to people, so I know how to talk real party. It's good. And uh, and so maybe factually it's pretty accurate. What I think, I don't know if their point is to make the point that children should be allowed to earn a wage or or if their point is that public schools are really terrible. In that case, I think legalizing child labor is not the best argument for trying to make the argument that public schools are bad. You know, like if your point is, I want to say something terrible about public schools, we should legalize child labor because you'll learn more on a job site than you will from a public school. There's probably other arguments that libertarians could make about public schools if we want to make the argument for private schooling and things like that. It's just really bad messaging, man. Yeah, it, I, I don't I mean, part of me understands the shock factor. Mm -hmm. Like um, like if they said legalize heroin. Yeah, you know, drugs. Kids should be able to do drugs, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, so I get the shock factor, and obviously we're talking about it. So what does that say? Any pubs, any pubs, good pub, I guess, in a way. But at the same time, I think there probably was a better way of talking about this, which is in fact that if kids want to make money, they should be able to go out and make money. Yeah. And now you do run into the well. What about parents that force their kids to work or whatever? Look, kids have worked for thousands of years up until about a hundred years ago. Yeah. Okay. For all time. And, and until a hundred years ago, and only in about 10% of countries. Yeah. The 90% of kids around the world still work today. There's no child labor laws. It's probably accurate. Yeah. In the rest <laughs> of the world. Why? Because well, I mean, in Africa and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of kids working in China too on our Af iPhones that we're using all the time. Yeah. So, Africa, Asia, South yeah. America. I mean, when I went to Peru, visited <laughs> villages and, the kids were out in the farms and, and growing things and all kinds of stuff, because if not, you starve. Mm -hmm. That's the alternative, folks. Now, we're lucky and privileged enough to live in a, in a great, um, what used to be a capitalist country, and we're rich enough now where our kids don't have to work. They can go get educated mm -hmm. and you know do different things and stuff like that. But also, I don't see anything wrong with kids who want to do uh, things other than school, like, um, because now we have, a, especially in America, we have a shortage. Like if Parker wants to be a plumber, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> I'll help you start your business. It'd be a multi-million dollar business in about four years being a plumber. If you know how to work them pipes, man, I'm telling you what I played golf with a kid the other day when I was in Chattanooga and he came down to the, the Chattanooga lineman school four months to learn how to be electrician, lineman, whatever, work on the power lines, come out making $40 an hour without overtime, by the way. Yeah. And, they, and then they, you're pretty much guaranteed overtime because electricity is always going down and there's no one to do it. Now, I started work when I was 14 legally because at that time, I think they may have changed it, Nate. I don't know if you know this or not, if they've changed it. But at that time in Illinois, you could work on a farm if you were 14. 
Oh, I, I know all about that. I didn't even, it wasn't 12. I don't know. I know I, I started I think at 14. It was, I think it was eight. <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure it was four, because yeah. that's when I started. <laughs> Pretty sure it was eight. Well, I, our, our neighbor had a, a nursery, so I started off mowing their yard. I started off mowing yards, and then they offered me a job to plant some trees and stuff like that, and I took it, and I want to say I made like $4.30 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's big bucks back when you're 14. I mean, yeah. Geez. And uh, then after that, I got a real job at McDonald's when I turned 16, <laughs> you know, when I could yeah. actually fill out an application. And I was legally allowed to work in a full uh, dangerous establishment where you got all kinds of things going on. And, and but, but also, I don't think those types of things are bad. I know a guy. Now, of course, he did finish high school. But a guy we went to high school with, Nate, who started out uh, a lawn mowing business. Matt, yeah. Yeah. And it was called Andreezy Lawn Care. And then he grew that. He was a smart enough business guy to grow that into a massive ex- excavating company. He owns, he now runs a multi-million dollar excavating company. The all from was, starting a, a mowing company when he was, whatever, 15 or 16. The thing was multi-million dollars by the time he got out of high school. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was massive. Yeah. Like, he was, I remember trying to get him to hire me. I mean, he was, whew. Any, uh, I have surprisingly aligned with what Gary Johnson said on this. He said, I'm sorry, but no, this isn't what libertarianism means to millions of Americans pushing a, dis- a disturbing and out-of-touch stance on child labor is entirely detached from what people need in America today. This does not advance liberty or help change people's opinions. And that is where I'm at on this. Like I said, we could sit here and talk all day about the values of kids learning how to make money and whether or not you should be able to work and mow yards and make money and all that. But what I'm trying to talk about here is actually advancing the Libertarian Party if they're ever going to do that, or Libertarianism itself if we're ever going to do that. And I see no way that this actually does that. This is just another tweet or another stance and another statement and a long line of statements that can be pulled up by the the news and and all that stuff. People like to say, well, the the Republican Party's dead because the, the news is already against them and all that stuff. Like, man, the only reason the news isn't sitting here talking about the Libertarian Party is because you're not relevant, okay? When you actually, when it actually looks like you could potentially be relevant, they're going to be way harder on you than they even are on the Republican Party mm-hmm. because your stances to them are a million times more racist and sexist and all these crazy things than what the Republican Party has. You... the and, you know, I like Dave Smith, uh, in supporter of his. I, he'd probably get my vote if he runs for president. But he says this stuff all the time, uh, that the Republican Party is dead and we can push the Libertarian Party and people aren't talking about them like they do to the Republican Party. That's just because no one cares, man. That's just because they're not relevant. Mm-hmm. And as soon as more people are paying attention to the Libertarian Party, there's a billion more things that the news media can use Which, to talk to talk negatively about the Libertarian Party than they do the Republican Party. Playing devil's advocate, they seem to be paying attention to the Libertarian Party now. Who? A lot of people with this, oh, tweet, yeah. with this tweet. And I, I don't know I, if now, it's going to be again, in a good way. I don't think it's in a good way, but I just want to let people know that like, the getting attention is still getting attention. I mean, Ron Paul got a lot of attention with saying to legalize heroin yeah you know even on the debate stage and when it, when people actually thought about it because he had a really good response when he was able to clarify the shock value right when he get, was given a chance to clarify the shock value of if we legalize heroin tomorrow how many people are going to go out and do it no you're not going to go out and do it the problem with this is legalized child labor sounds like slavery mm-hmm. so you're legalizing like forcing kids to work um it could have definitely been worse. how would you word it if you wanted to have this discussion, I wouldn't talk about child labor. I would talk about uh, my labor being stolen from me. And uh, I would talk about other people's labor being stolen from them. I would talk about all the jobs that we lost because the government shut down the economy. I would talk about all the lockdowns all around the country and how that's harmed the entire economy. I would talk about uh, all the fiscal irresponsibility that's going on. I would talk about the wars overseas. I would talk about legalizing marijuana. Um, I wouldn't reword this. I wouldn't tweet it. It's pointless, in my opinion. Yeah. It's one tweet that's going to get 20, 25,000 retweets. It was already at like 13, 14,000 when I looked at it earlier. And it's not going to be in a good way, is all I'm saying. And, and it's pointless. I don't see that it does anything. Like, we're going to have... You really think the country's ready for a strong conversation on on child labor? Is that really where we're at right now? 
Like, no. <laughs> no. And we're nowhere close to that. I don't disagree with that. What, whatsoever. There's other stuff. Okay, so that, that's just my retweet with comment to this was, this is why the Libertarian Party is never going to be relevant. That right there. It's just not going to be, I don't care, in my opinion, I don't care if we agree with the overall stance. I mean, that I understand that kids need to be able to work. Sometimes some families re- really do need their, some kids really need to work because their families aren't pulling down enough bucks. And, uh, and, you know, we can have that conversation and whether or not this is factually accurate, but man, is this really where we are? We've solved so many problems that we've made it all the way back to, to finally solving child labor. No, we got so many other things to talk about right now. How about legalize keeping your own money? Yeah, let's just legalize <laughs> that. Why don't we legalize uh, not bombing kids in other countries too? You know, we're worried about child labor. Why don't we stop bombing places where kids work? <laughs> In other places, you know, stop ending the child labor in the other countries yeah. <laughs> with your bombs. You know, that's right. a way better, that's a way better tweet right there. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that we should talk about that. Oh, I, thought, I thought that was a good discussion. Last year, over 5 million citizens decided to join the Second Amendment family. And I want each and every one of them to pick up a holster from our friends at We the People Holsters. Starting at just $40, We the People holsters are custom molded to fit your exact firearm for a quick, smooth draw. Just like my dirty country voice. (laughs) And by the way, your holster that you got, I mean, it's really nice. I've got a great holster. It just draws out real fast. I even tried it with my gym shorts on just to make sure that it was a good, quick, fast draw. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, I do. I really do love it. I've got one for my my Glock 19. It's it's perfect. They have thousands of options to choose from, even if you got a Glock 19, Glock 27, whatever. Plus a selection of custom printed holsters, including a line with real tree camouflage. In case you wanna, you don't want the deer seeing it. You wanna have an invisible holster. Those That's are right. important. While you're there, check out their complete line of patriotic shirts and new EDC tactical gun belt, which comes with their exclusive talon buckle. It's manufactured 100% in the United States. Great American, great A company. Mm, Every holster and gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a full refund. That's a good guarantee. Lifetime. Woo. Let me tell you what, man. And don't forget to pick up some bags of their mouth-watering bacon jerky. That's right. You guys heard that correctly. They got freaking bacon jerky Mm. over there. I need to get me some of that. That's full-on American. Show your support for this show right here. Good Morning Liberty Podcast and this great American company. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash GML right now and you can get an additional $10 off with the offer code GML10, which we will put all of this in the show notes for you guys. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash GML. That is wethepeopleholsters.com slash GML. The secret IRS files. Secret IRS files. Trove of never-before-seen records reveal how the wealthiest avoid the income tax. Hence, this is starring David Duchovny? <laughs> it is. It is going to be uh, eight seasons, and it's going to be pretty good. Uh, so ProPublica obtained IRS data on the tax returns of thousands of the nation's wealthiest people, covering more than 15 years. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Rupert Murdoch, Mark Zuckerberg, all kinds of other people shows not just their income and taxes, but also their investments, stock trades, gambling winnings, and even the results of audits. It demolishes, it demolishes, Charlie, the cornerstone myth of the American tax system that everyone pays their fair share and the richest pay the most. It <laughs> demolishes that argument. Yeah. Okay. It's a myth, actually. Not even the argument, it's just this myth that goes, there's no data to back that actually in 2018 the top 1% of income earners and that's who people who earned over 540,000 earned 21% of all the US income and they paid 40% of all of the federal income taxes the top 10% earned roughly 50% of the income and paid 71% of the federal income taxes mm. this is a myth that everyone pays their fair share and yeah. the richest Americans pay the most but by the way, they probably stole this information. They then they did say later that one of the billionaires mentioned in the article was upset and that this was a violation of privacy and all that, but they didn't name who it was. Absolutely. It is. definitely seems like a violation yeah. of privacy. But, uh, the IRS records show that the wealthiest can perfectly legally pay income taxes that are only a tiny fraction 
of the hundreds of millions, if not billions, their fortunes grow each year. Mm. This whole time, they're never going to talk about the difference between income tax and wealth tax, by the way. Right. They're going to talk about the wealth as if it's money that the people made, that they actually cashed out, that they took home. And they're going to talk about it as if people are paying a super small percentage and using their entire wealth number to talk about the small percentages that these people pay, Mm -hmm. by the way. So just be ready for that. Many Americans live paycheck to paycheck, amassing little wealth and paying the federal government a percentage of their income that rises if they earn more. Now, okay, so what are they doing right there? They're painting the picture. They got to set up the the warfare, the Mm -hmm. class warfare to let you know. While all these people are just, you know, living high on the hog, everyone else, they live paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Largely by their own doing, by the way. We won't won't say why, but even rich people live paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) They do. What's the term for that? I can't remember. They're called high earners. um, I don't know. Low wealth. Something like that. High earners, uh, no wealth. I can't remember. There's an acronym for it. But basically, high earners, low wealth. A lot of doctors and lawyers... People who make a lot of money, but they also have a lot of debt or they spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your doctor's wearing a Rolex, he probably shouldn't be wearing a Rolex uh, because although he can afford one, he doesn't have much wealth, probably. Yeah. And, and, unless he's older. I don't know. There are some wealthy doctors. But it takes you get them what a I'm long saying. time to pay off their schooling. Yeah, Even rich long people time. live paycheck to paycheck. In recent years, the median American household earned about 70000 annually and paid 14% in federal taxes. The highest income tax rate, 37%, kicked in this year for couples above 628. By the way, the median American household earning $70,000 a year, you're in about the uh, top 0.5% worldwide. Worldwide. By the way. Yeah. Prestige. The confidential tax records obtained by ProPublica show that the ultra-rich effectively sidestep this system. They don't side... They never mention... The fact that this is how everyone does their income taxes, by the way. Even the people that are making 70000 They claim what the income was that they brought in. And then they claim what their expenses were. And then they pay whatever the percentage is after that. That's, that's, it's literally what everyone does. Okay? But they sidestep the system. America's billionaires avail themselves of tax avoidance strategies beyond the reach of ordinary people. Because they don't have accountants and lawyers. Their wealth derives from the skyrocketing value of their assets like stock and property. Their wealth derives from the skyrocketing value of their assets like stock and property. Mm. Huh. How about that? Just one second here. Let me make sure I have this right. Those gains are not defined by U.S. laws as taxable income unless and until the billionaires sell. Because right? it's not income. Because it's, it isn't. In, it literally. It literally isn't. In, Charlie, how much income did you make from your trading account today? None. You didn't make any, did you? Actually, that's not true. I sold some. Did you take it out? Did you go? Did you no. take it home? No. No. I didn't. I made zero. So it went up today, though, didn't it? Yeah. Your account went up. My account went up. And but you didn't. You didn't pay any income tax on that. No. It could be gone tomorrow. Could be. It could it could actually not the entire account, but what you made today could be gone tomorrow. Could, could easily. Okay. Be gone. It could be unrealized negative gains. All right. So that's why you don't just pay taxes on the value of your assets, by the way. If I have a share of Amazon and it goes from 100 bucks to 3000 and it's still just a share of Amazon, I didn't make any income from it. I just have a share of Amazon. That's all I have. I don't have the income from that share. This is pretty freaking obvious. ProPublica compared how much taxes the 25 richest Americans paid each year to how much Forbes estimated their wealth grew in that same period. They are calling this the true tax rate. So now they have a new statistic called the true tax rate oh God. where they include the wealth that, that, that those people, that their wealth went up during that time frame as income and what they paid in taxes. And now they've named a new thing called the true tax rate. Okay. The results are stark. Those 25 people saw their worth rise a collective $400 billion from 2014 to 2018. You guess what they did? They picked a major breakout point of the stock market to a point right before it had a really big fall down. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, they paid a total of $13.6 billion in federal income taxes in those five years, the IRS data shows. 25 people paid $13.6 billion in federal income taxes. That was a staggering sum, but it amounts to a true tax rate, a new thing that they have made up for this article of only 3.4%. Okay. 
By the way, if the if it wasn't the 3.4% and it was 40%, which is something they'd argue for, then they would have paid $160 billion over four years, which would have been $40 billion more a year for the government. And as of last year's data on what the government spent, uh, the government spends about $17.5 billion per day is, is what they actually spend. So you've got roughly two days and like five more hours that the government would have had some money for, I guess. Okay. But don't worry. I mean, this is causing the federal government's budget to barely grow. They're literally going to talk about how the the government's budget has been stagnated over this time period. <laughs> literally in this article, guys, this isn't even, we're not even there yet. Okay. It's a completely different picture for the poor middle-class Americans. I added the poor wage earners in their early 40s who have amassed a typical amount of wealth for their for people their age for from 2014 to 2018 these households saw their net worth expand by 65,000 after taxes on average mostly do notice that they did their wealth expanding after taxes right the other wealth expansion was before taxes but that doesn't matter we're writing an article here and we got to get clicks but because the vast bulk of their earnings were salaries, their tax bills were almost as much, nearly 62000 over that five-year period. Yes, that is called the income tax. We don't have a wealth tax, okay? Everyone, really, they don't even talk about a wealth tax in this article. They talk about how billionaires are skirting the tax system. <laughs> Not even talking about a wealth tax. I can, I can feel your blood pressure. Oh. No one among the 25 wealthiest avoided as much tax as Buffett. He avoided it by legally... Uh, paying the taxes that he owed on what his income was over those years. That was the way that he avoided taxes. That's perhaps surprising given his public stance as an advocate of higher taxes for the rich. (laughs) And no one avoided more taxes than Warren Buffett over that time period. And he's been a vocal supporter of raising taxes on the rich. I bet he's the one who was mad about this information coming out. According to Forbes, his riches rose 24 billion between 2014 and 2018. Over those years, Buffett reported paying $23 million in taxes after, it go, after, nice. after $24 billion. Now, that's just his wealth going up by $24 billion. That works out to a true tax rate, something they just created today for this article, of 0.1%. Okay? Tom said the author who wrote this article should have worked as a child. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh. Experts have long understood the broad outlines of how little the wealthy are taxed in the United States and many lay people have long suspected the same thing. Consider Bezos. In 2007, we're going to talk about Bezos. 2007, this is just a random year they pulled out of their ass, I bet. One of the years he paid zero in federal income taxes, Amazon's stock more than doubled from $38 to $90, by the way. It's currently at $3,200, something like that. Bezos's fortune left $3.8 billion, according to Forbes, whose wealth estimates, estimates are widely cited. How did the person enjoying that sort of wealth explosion end up paying no income tax? Because 2007 was the first time Amazon made money. Okay. What did they do for all the years before that? And he was also investing his own personal money in a bunch of investments at the Mm -hmm. same time. They're acting like this is some kind of freaking mystery. It drives me insane, man. You can tell. In that year, Bezos, who filed his taxes jointly with his then wife, Mackenzie Scott, reported a paltry $46 million in income, largely from interest and dividend payments on outside investments, not even from Amazon. <laughs> he was able to offset every penny he earned with losses from, from those investments and various deductions, like interest expenses on debts and the vague catch-all category of other expenses. This is what everyone does on their income taxes, by the way. Mm-hmm. You take deductions, you take if you had a bunch of losses for some kind of thing, and if it turns out that you lost as much money as what you made, then you wouldn't pay any taxes. I'm glad that he didn't pay any taxes that year, and I wish it would be like that every single year. In 2011, a year in which his wealth held roughly steady at $18 billion, Bezos filed a tax return reporting that he lost money. Now, they said his wealth held steady at roughly $18 billion. He reported that he lost money. His income that year was more than offset by investment losses. Okay, so he lost more money than what he actually took home in income that year. What's more, because according to the tax law, he made so little, he even claimed and received a $4,000 tax credit for his children. Nice. Now that one, you know, I don't really like the tax credit, but hey, (laughs) kudos to you for going ahead and getting that 4,000 bucks, Jeff. Send it to space with you, all right? His tax avoidance is even more striking if you examine 2006 to 2018, 
a period for which they have complete data. By the way, that's when Amazon switched from making no money to the time that they completely exploded. So we need to pull those years. Don't pull from 1995 when Amazon started. Mm-mm. That would mess up the stats. Okay, we don't, we don't want to do that. All right. His wealth increased by $127 billion, according to Forbes, but he reported $6.5 billion in income. That's because that's how much he had an income. Okay. The $1.4 billion he paid in personal federal taxes is a massive number, yet it amounts to a 1.1% true tax rate, a number we just created today for this article, on the rise in his fortune. They true. forgot to put that every time. The true tax rate. Okay, so here we go. This is, the con- this is why we have to care about this, everyone. Oh, man, this stuff drives me insane. The consequences of allowing the most prosperous to game the tax system have been profound. Federal budgets, apart from the military, have been constrained for decades. <laughs> by that, they mean they've only gone up by, you know, 100% in the last uh, uh, five years. Yeah. They've been, the federal budgets have been constrained for decades. Roads and bridges have crumbled Crumble. during this time. That we only got $1.4 billion from Jeff Bezos when it should have been 10 and our yearly budget for the DOT is $72 billion. Okay, roads and bridges have crumbled. All right, social services have withered. <laughs> They're almost gone. We have so many less social services than no. we did mm-hmm. over these decades. Have you noticed? Has this person been to any other country in the world? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Ask me about the roads and bridges in Mexico. Social services have withered, and the solvency of Social Security and Medicare is perpetually in question. That's because it's a Ponzi scheme. We spend, (laughs) guys, the budget on all of these things has gone up every single year. It continues to go up. And it wouldn't matter if you tax all of this income. We still wouldn't have enough money to pay for what they're spending. If you taxed all of their wealth. All of it. It wouldn't matter. They talked about $400 billion that these people made between that time period. Biden's latest proposal was six, what was it? $2 trillion. Mm -hmm. Six trillion this year. What? I hate it when people act like this stuff matters. Like everything's crumbling because we didn't get we we didn't get four hundred billion from these people over the span of a couple decades. Oh, taxes are kind of a collective sacrifice. They're going to give us a lesson on taxes. Mm-hmm. Here we go. No one loves giving their hard-earned money to the government, but the system works only as long as it's perceived to be fair. And you know, it's it's fine because the person writing this article doesn't have to pay that much in taxes. Probably no, probably not. I'm sure they take. I'm sure they pay the taxes they owe. You know, mm-hmm. and then they throw in this at the end of the thing. The idea of a regular tax on income, much less on wealth, does not appear in the country's founding documents. In fact, Article one of the U.S. Constitution explicitly prohibits direct taxes on citizens under most circumstances. This meant that for decades, the U.S. government mainly funded itself through indirect taxes, which were tariffs and levies on consumer goods like tobacco and alcohol. So sales taxes and sales taxes on stuff that came mm-hmm. from other places is the is the are originally the taxes that the constitution allowed for which is <sighs> which is way better yes yes than, that is way better directly taxing income okay all right well that's that's the end of that article how are you feeling um i need to calm my heart down just a little bit i don't know why i get so worked up about this stuff but i hate it when people find these these boogeymen that they, that all of our problems can be solved if we would just tax appropriately the amount of money from these people and they never look at what the what that amount of money would be or what it would actually do for the federal budget even this year or this month or this week even right would it even run the federal budget for this week no it wouldn't taking all of their wealth wouldn't even do it for a month no no it 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 actually wouldn't do it for a month and that was all of their wealth that they had accrued over all that time period that we were talking about but they still have to make they have to talk about how the people the lay person that they, they're victims. And if we would just get the right amount of taxes from these people over here, then our infrastructure wouldn't be crumbling and we would be able to have the right social services and we wouldn't have to constrain our federal budget so much. And no one ever actually talks about what the dollar amount would actually be that you would get from those people and whether or not it would even go towards paying off that or even covering some of the deficit for this year, which it wouldn't. But it, it creates the scapegoat for everyone to say, well, I know we're being irresponsible, but we just got to make sure we get taxes on the rich. We can keep doing all this stuff. We can pay for Medicare for all and we can pay for free college and we can do all this stuff. We just got to make sure we get taxes on the rich. 
but no one ever actually looks at what that number would be. And we, it wouldn't be enough. We can't pay for what we're currently doing. No. And if we got all of their wealth, it would we would still have a big deficit this year. The last time we were able to pay for everything, I believe, was 1994. Yeah. When we yeah, had a surplus. I think that's right. We had a, yeah, a surplus. In 95. Yeah. That's where we paid for everything that we did in one year. Yeah. <laughs> we still had some debt. Still had debt. Still had some debt. That's okay. We, Companies carry debt sometimes, you know. Hey, we paid for everything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the, this kind of stuff is maddening. It just blows my mind how it's always the same. Like you said, the boogeymen. The same people, Bezos and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, the evil, greedy billionaires of the world. And in fact, most of their money that they, I mean, it does look like they take, obviously, a few billion in income, at least Bezos does. Um, but most of the time they run off of, rich people run off of loans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They just take out loans that they live off of and they take out those loans on their assets. Meaning if they default on their loan, then they have to give up some assets to cover the cost of their loan. That's how they do it. And they just pay the nominal interest rate. You can blame that on the Federal Reserve. The, the, the thing that really, the long-term thing that bothers me from this stuff, I've been reading a lot of Ayn Rand lately in my, in my drives back and forth between Charlie's here. And the thing that bothers me about this is the argument you're really making is that this money uh, should be taken out of the hands of these people and it would be better spent if it were placed in the hands of the government. And I hate to think about where we'd be right now if uh, if all that money was taken from Jeff Bezos in 2007, where where would we be right now with the investment? He certainly wouldn't be going to space next month. But aside from that, we might not we might not have had Amazon's delivery services for this pandemic. And no one ever thinks about mm -hmm. that. Why, where's the left talking about how how lucky we were to have had something like Amazon pop up randomly, magically, that we were able to have something like Amazon pop up? And 23 years before the pandemic. Yeah. Sign. And if you would have taken all of his wealth back then, what what would we have right now? Would he have kept making investments in other things? Would Amazon have kept growing? We don't we don't really know what would have happened. And my guess is the government would have taken the money and they would have wasted it on things. And we wouldn't have all the things that we have right now. And if you look at this idea and you put it further out onto a really big timeline. I know the socialists think we're at peak capitalism, so you got to start distributing the money right now. But it's never really at the peak. It's like the freaking market. You just keep thinking that the market's going to crash every single day. You look at a chart of the S&P 500. Why are you looking to short that thing? You better be buying that thing every single day. Why, why are you looking to short it? It barely goes down. And then it immediately pops back up and goes mm -hmm. to new highs. You know, I've stopped trying to look at when to short the market. I'm just going to accept the fact that that thing goes from left to right and it goes up a whole bunch during that time mm -hmm. and trying to catch this little bitty period of time where it comes down and ignoring this really massive amount of time where it keeps going up that maybe that's not the best strategy you know yeah so anyway we if you look a hundred years out into the future what could we have if the government took all of this wealth and spent that money on other things versus what we would have if people who are really good at investing their money uh, what would we have then a hundred years from now if they were able to invest all of that money and there's two different worlds that we could be living in and one of them is not as good as the other one and i want to be in the one that looks a lot better for the mm -hmm. most amount of people which is allowing people to keep their own money anyway it sounds like space because as uh, that's what stone steve cold austin said for the record there aren't any irs agents in space yeah now oh, there so, we go did you see the chart of jeff bezos wife is the best investor in oh the world. yeah that's really good <laughs> yeah she married down here and divorced up here how crazy would it be if they actually, if she did plan Genius. it that way? That'd be great. All right. Well, Genius. Charlie, push, just push us on to the next article. Charlie. All right. This coming from the blaze. Thanks, Glenn. COVID death toll suddenly drops 25% when California County officials make policy change. Now, how about this? We saw some of this happening in, uh, what, Tennessee and Michigan and some other places, New York, New York of all places. Mm -hmm. Alameda County in Northern California County that includes the city of Oakland. That's where I was born, by the way. Um, has revised its COVID-19 data methodology, resulting in a massive 25% decrease in its reported COVID-19 deaths. The COVID-19 death toll in Alameda County decreased from 1,634 to 1,223 on Friday after officials updated their methodology for COVID-19 reporting, now only including people who directly died from COVID-19 in their count. <laughs> Of course, this was uh, flagged as false information on Facebook when you shared the meme, uh, what, six months ago? Yeah. So, 
Previously, Alameda County officials included uh, in their death toll any resident who died while infected uh, the, with the virus, not just individuals who died directly from COVID-19. The LA Times now includes the following note in its Alameda County data. Alameda County on Friday reduced its total count of deaths by 411. The county previously reported deaths of any person infected with the virus. The update total includes only deaths in which COVID-19 was a direct or contributing cause, or if COVID-19 could not be ruled out as a cause, which seems to be more likely. Yeah, but they still are including deaths if COVID can't be ruled out. Yeah. Okay, so they don't know for sure that it's even the cause, but that's a pretty big drop. In a press release, uh, Ballroom said Alameda County's definition of COVID-19 death lagged behind the state's official definition, which explains the sudden change. Uh, also... Now that we have a new president and everything, you can come oh, out yeah. with the real numbers. Yeah. Alameda look, County. deaths went down while Biden was president. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> people have been revived. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Alameda uh, County previously included any person who died while infected with the virus and the total COVID-19 deaths for the county. The press release explained aligning with the state's definition will require Alameda County to report as COVID-19 deaths only those people who died as a direct result of COVID-19 with COVID-19 as a contributing cause of death or in whom death caused by COVID-19 could not be ruled out. So for instance, if you uh, had a brain tumor and that caused your death ultimately, cause you ended up having a brain bleed and you were hemorrhaging and all that stuff at the same time you have COVID-19, but there was no fluid in your lungs from the COVID-19. There's no reason to be counted as a COVID-19 death. That's crazy. Although, crazy idea. although, I mean, I don't know, because there there could be some hemorrhaging or some clotting and stuff like that from COVID. They were seeing those types of things. Uh, but let's a car wreck, for instance. This has actually happened in Illinois. Yeah. I mean, they said as such and they're they said as much. In we their literally press played the video yeah. from the, the secretary of health, of <laughs> which Illinois. has been like totally removed from the Internet, by the way. You can't find, can't it, find it. Yeah. Good. It's on our episode. It is on go our back, episode. Go back yeah. and listen to it. <laughs> but but this is the way it should have been counted all along. Um, but of course we had the wrong president and the wrong mm-hmm. people. So we had to make sure that all of that was, well, and there's a reelection going on and there's an election going on in California. So oh, we yeah. got to start working old, on this data. The old recall election. Yeah, actually the COVID look how much better our COVID death rate was than all these other States. Cause all you guys stayed home, even though yeah. I didn't. Yeah. See the, the lockdowns worked. You guys are <laughs> mad, but look, they worked. The masks worked. I know the death rate looked really bad while we had the major lockdowns, but now that they're over, we'll we'll redo our numbers and show you what the actual death tolls are. <laughs> look, the lockdowns worked. Amazing. You think some of that's playing into it? It couldn't be. There's no way. No way. There's no way that plays into no. it. These are honest politicians. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's they're true. S- they're straight. They're straight as air. They're straight as arrows. So uh, this is coming from Fee. This is uh, you said this is from uh, Hannah Cox. Hannah Cox. Yep. Yeah, we need to have her on the show again sometime. We we say that every time. Biden promised write a note. Biden promised criminal justice reform, but still hasn't repealed one of Trump's worst policies. And in fact, they were arguing for qualified immunity and all kinds of stuff. So, as we told y'all a long time ago, it's not going to be any. It's not going to be much different. Mm-mm. Okay. So Tanya Smith and her husband uh, Demetrius uh, Patlias went to a casino in Maryland a few years ago and struck luck. They took their winnings and headed for dinner at another casino in West Virginia, but they never made it. On their ride over, they were stopped by police and forced to exit their car. Smith, who was 34 weeks pregnant at the time, was placed in handcuffs along with her husband as cops searched their car with dogs. Officers then questioned them about their slew of illegal activities, drugs, guns, smuggling, untaxed cigarettes, gift card fraud. Ultimately, nothing illegal was found in the vehicle and they were allowed to leave with just a warning citation for crossing into another lane. But not before cops robbed them of the gift cards, an iPhone, and the $10,478 in cash in their possession. Ugh. What police did to the Pat Lias is shocking, but not unique. Thanks to a policy known as civil asset forfeiture, such scenarios play out virtually every day in America. Many of those targeted cannot afford the legal fees to get their property back, and the police are allowed to keep the money even if the owners are never charged with a crime. How is this legal in America? Insane. This is such an obvious thing to get rid of. Why didn't LP tweet about this? I don't know. In 2017, under the Trump administration, implemented a ruling that essentially says police can seize property from people not charged with a crime, even in states where that practice has been banned. 
This policy steals billions of dollars from people. And studies have shown that low-income and black Americans, the very people Biden campaigned on helping, suffer disproportionately under this program. Furthermore, while at least $68.8 billion has been taken from Americans since 2000... $68 billion in civil asset forfeiture. That's so disgusting. I'm going to lose sight here in a minute. Report show is not- Seriously, everything's getting fuzzy around me right now. <laughs> so mad. Gosh. He's so mad. New Mexico eliminated its civil asset forfeiture law in 2015 and directed all criminal forfeiture proceeds to the state's general fund instead of police departments. Additionally, further data show that police are rarely targeting the drug kingpins and mafia bosses they claim to be dismantling with their operation. Rather, 21 states report that over half their forfeitures are less than $1,300. Ugh. This is a gross, unjust practice that should be abolished from sea to shining sea. Biden does not have the authority to make civil asset forfeiture go away altogether, but he could easily direct the Justice Department to overturn the 2017 ruling and stop loopholes that allow local police to funnel their forfeiture profits through the federal government if their state requires a conviction. Many doubted Biden's new uh, newfound support of criminal justice reform during the campaign of 2020. Why? Because he's the same person that he always has been. He is, after all, the architect of the government's civil forfeiture law, as well as several several other bad bills that shaped our modern justice system. The 1995 crime bill? 94 94. This would be an easy campaign promise for Biden to deliver on, that the president continues to let politics like this stand confirms those who doubt the sincerity of his (laughs) transformation, along with Kamala Harris and, frankly, the American people. Yeah. Because they just seem to be continue to be duped. This, to me, is one of the most unbelievably angering things ever. Ever. I mean, think, uh, she did a great job, Hannah did a great job talking about giving a story to start the article. So this couple who went to a casino and they won some money and they had some gift cards and stuff like that and the cop literally pulled them over, said that they were going to find drugs and all kinds of stuff like that, found nothing, didn't charge them with a crime, but still took over $10,000 from them. And this is very hard to get back. They're like, oh, you can get it back if you uh, go to court. Yeah. No, hopefully you'll, uh, hopefully you're trying to get back enough money that's going to pay for your legal fees when you, when you go to court. Yeah. So they'll, they'll I mean, this, it's so obvious that it's actually hard to talk about because you're not charged with a crime. You're innocent until proven guilty. How can your actual money be taken away from you? It's always it's under suspicion that you're doing something illegal. And that's a that's a disgusting idea. What I would do right now is please, Republicans, people on the right that are listening to this, get, join together with everyone, including the libertarians who have tweeted about civil asset forfeiture quite a bit. Justin Amash has had a really good uh, tweet thread about this last week, I think. Um, this ha- this actually has to stop. It doesn't matter if you think someone committed a crime. Innocent until proven guilty. That's pretty easy. The government can't just take your money unless they call it taxes without proving that you did something wrong unless it was working for a living. They can't actually take your money from you and then never prove that you committed a crime. It's a disgusting thing to do. And yeah, it ends up it's going to end up hurting a lot of people who can't handle that money being taken away. You think about what those people, I don't know what kind of financial situation they're in, but they were probably pretty pumped about the 10 grand that they had made. Now they were on their way to another casino. Yeah, that is true. So, so 2000, uh, the people now lose more money to civil asset forfeiture than they do theft. It has surpassed theft. It's, yeah. it's been a pretty constant statistic that we all lose I mean, more money in theft from the government than we do in theft from each other. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that something? Oh. I just can't, uh, I, if someone, and I know no one in the private group is going to do this, if someone could email me with a good idea, a good reason for why this should actually stand, a I'll good see, reason. It's the drug lords, man. Yeah, we're going to keep the, those drug dealers. we got to get the drug dealers off the street. That's mm-hmm. so what it's going to do. And, they, and the, the cops need these souped up things. That's, That's that, The problem with policing nowadays is that it has been turned into another arm of the government to collect cash. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's why you have all these stupid laws, vehicles, reasons for them to pull you over, write you a $150 ticket for going three miles hour, an hour over the speed limit as if you have control over your cruise control. All right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And all this kind of stuff. It just, it's so 
unbelievably disgusting. Um, what Magoo said is, why didn't they have a casino payout stub ticket? And I think they still would have taken it because a lot of people use casinos to launder money. Uh, they'll they'll go in and they will buy in on something and then they'll cash out afterwards. Mm-hmm. So they're they're cleaning their money like that. And so I, they probably look for casino. T- I don't think that would really change anything whatsoever. No. Then they would just suspect them of laundering money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only thing they would think. So yeah. I don't know, guys. This is a pretty easy one to fix. Maybe also, well... I mean, also, you could um, get some cash and then get the rest in a check. Mm-hmm. It's possible for you to do that from the casino. But if you want to get your money in a, if you want to get your cash, you can get your cash. Mm-hmm. It's just, you should be able to travel in America with as much cash as you damn well please. If yeah. I want to put a million dollars in my car and drive around just because I want to do it, why can't I do that? You think if Jeff Bezos got pulled over, they'd confiscate his million dollars in gold bars he's got in the trunk back there? No. Yeah. Like, oh, I know what you're doing with that money. So it's cool. You can keep it, man. Right. Can I get your autograph? Yeah. You know, can you sign my baby for me? Mm -hmm. And uh, I got my baby right here in my cruiser. Also, don't let the cops search your car. Yeah. That's That's another thing. Don't ever (laughs) let them search. Never. Unless Uh, you get a warrant. Yeah. Um, well, that is, well, if you couldn't raise your blood pressure any further, then that's just going to go ahead and do it. That'll do it. Now let's end the podcast. So, so if you have a uh, high blood pressure now due to the American government, then hit that subscribe button, share the show with a friend and an enemy, share it with the children, um, share it with those who think <laughs> that we need to end child labor laws. Okay. Share it with all of them. Share it with Elon Musk and share it with Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and all your friends your friends in high places and share it with your friends in low places too, <laughs> as that, as it might cheer them up. So leave us a rating and review on Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, sorry, Apple podcast now is what it's called uh, or anywhere else that you can leave. Uh, one of those, uh, I'm to, do you mean to do this? I'm trying to be like Obama. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you see, uh, uh, leave it, leave it where you can. <laughs> This is what I say. Charlie's brain shut off, I think. A rating and review. Five stars because it's worth it. Are you doing Obama or Biden right now? Which one? You know the thing. (laughs) If you guys do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Uh.